0: Hi, welcome to Ha'i or The Message, a unique journal of original and plagiarized Jewish thought, in the merit of my grandfather, Benimin Aryeh Ben-Leah, and for your fuhu shlema for Esther Batsipura. This week's Parsha is Shalach. Lashon hara, literally meaning the evil tongue, refers to gossip. But the literal translation does get to the root of it, in my opinion. Speech, full stop, holds immense power. And this extends to the words we write as well, or include in Instagram infographics. Do you know where I'm going with this? During the most recent conflict in Israel, while our brothers and sisters in the East were hiding in their bomb shelters, we were sitting in America, arguing with acquaintances on Facebook in the comment section. Social media became a figurative battleground. Celebrities with millions of followers were sharing genuine lies, calling Israel an apartheid state, a colonizer and an ethnic cleanser. Even so, if you now scroll through Twitter, there are tons of people with anti-Israel Twitter display names and even more anti-Israel tweets. The most harmful lies are ones that contain some semblance of truth, or at least wear the costume of truth. More on that later. We learn a bit about that kind of evil speech in this week's Parsha. This Parsha comes right after an event that happened in last week's Parsha, where Miriam, Moses and Aaron's sister, is afflicted with the spiritual malady Tzara'at which appears when one commits a certain transgression, including, you guessed it, Lashon Hara. Miriam's punishment seems a little bit harsh, and I still feel like it is, but the Midrash gives us some context. So this is the story. Miriam noticed that Zipporah, Moshe, Moses' wife, wasn't living with him. In order to speak with God, one had to be ritually pure. Because Moshe was always on call to speak with God, he had to remain spiritually pure always which means that he kind of neglected his wife, unarguably. Miriam expresses sympathy for Zipporah and goes to Aaron, Aaron, to discuss the matter. Miriam also thinks that this is not a great precedent to set that the leader of the Jewish people doesn't spend so much quality time with his wife. Miriam and Aaron are also prophets and yet they live with their spouses. So Miriam brings this issue to Aaron seemingly with very pure intentions. It's not like she goes out and announces this concern to all the people, like someone else we will learn about later. Alas, Hashem becomes very angry, viewing this speech as speech against Moshe. Yes, Miriam and Aaron are also prophets like Moshe, but they are not to the high level of prophecy that Moshe is, who is constantly speaking to God and must be constantly pure. So Miriam is struck with Sara'at and then has to quarantine outside the camp for seven days. Again, it seems harsh for such a great Sudeikah, such a righteous woman like Miriam. This is the woman who told her parents to have another child because she prophesied that Moshe would be the one to redeem the Jewish people. This is the Miriam who ensured that Moshe could lead the Jewish people by making sure he found a home after being placed in the Nile. And this same Miriam on whose great faith and great merit we had a water well in the desert. You get the point. But I I read an interpretation that her rebuke was harsh because, in fact, of how great she is. I don't know, I, I think she meant well, but I suppose the message is that offhand speech, even when it seems innocent, can be dangerous. Or maybe making any judgment about a life that's not our own is something that shouldn't happen. I don't know. I like Miriam. I'm going to continue thinking about this. But like I said, there are some other Lashon Hara in this week's Parsha. Bene Israel, the children of Israel, have been trudging through the desert, and they are near to entering the land of Israel. Before they enter, however, according to our sages, the people came to Moshe and asked if they could send spies into the land first. Which is like totally logical. They're scared. They're apprehensive. That's human. It's totally human. Also, Bnei lives a very not grounded life at the moment. According to our commentaries, their clothing divinely repaired and cleaned itself. Their food, the manna, the man, literally falls from the heavens every morning. They have water, as aforementioned, that travels with them everywhere they go. They have a pillar of fire that leads them so they can travel at night or during the day. The list goes on. And they know that when they enter the land, life is about to get a lot more grounded. They're gonna have to farm their own food. They're gonna have to gather their own water, light their own ways, etc. So it's an understandable apprehension. But to come to Moshe and question that God would lead them into a land that wasn't fit for them? Come on. These people also saw the splitting of the sea. What are they doing here? Moshe consults with God, and God says, Look, I already told them that the land was great, but since they're questioning me, I guess you can send spies. So Moshe approves the request, though he hopes that approval will stop the whole affair. The sages give a great parable for this that includes donkeys. I find it delightful, so I'm going to mix up some of the details for relatability. But if you're a purist, every time I say the word car in this mashal, this parable, just replace it with donkey in your head. Okay, so, someone wants to buy a car or a donkey, but wants to take it for a test ride that works for both donkeys and cars. The car salesperson enthusiastically agrees. Could I take it for a test drive off-road and in the city? asks the buyer yes of course says the salesperson seeing that the salesperson is so confident with the car's ability the buyer is satisfied and decides to just buy the car without the test then the buyer and the car donkey live happily ever after so moshe thinking that this agreement of sending the spies will deter israel because of the implications that the land is great they'll realize there's nothing to fear also if you're kept from something without explanation doesn't that make you like so so suspicious Hashem and Moshe know what they're doing, but even so, the people decide they want to go in. I could spend an entire podcast talking about what happens when the Miraglim and the spies go in, but I'm going to focus more on what happens when they return to the camp. They are instructed to look at the cities. Are they well-guarded or are they not? To look at the people. Are they mighty or not? How is the land? How are the trees? Etc. They come back, and of course they tell the truth, but the way they do it is not ideal. So they begin with a little bit of concession, a little bit of positivity. They say, Yes, we went to the land, and yes it flows with milk and honey, like you said. The vad but FS the people are mighty, Ki and the cities are extremely strong and fortified. Meod. There are giants, there are tons of other civilizations there, etc etc. So like I said, they lead with one bit of truth, one bit of positivity, but then immediately use a contradictory word, "fs," meaning but, or however, it here clearly sets up something not great. The Ramban, Rabbi Moshe ben Nachman, points to this usage as their downfall. And instead of coming straight to Moshe as well, they announce their findings in a very sensationalized way in front of all of the people, unlike Miriam, who took her concerns directly to our own. Just putting that out there. But as I mentioned at the beginning, incitement with some undeniable truth is so dangerous. Where does the truth stop? Where do the lies begin? And what is the context? We saw and continue to see so much of this in the anti-Israel social media posts and truly with every issue ever. The national hysteria that swept the nation of B'nai Israel after this Meraglim incident was very far-reaching. It's not the same thing, of course, but it does remind me of the hysteria that happened in March 2020, when people began hoarding non-perishable foods and Lysol in their basements. Yes, there were some, if out of context, things that made the land scary to enter for ben Israel, but every point that they brought up was just misunderstood. Similarly with coronavirus, yes, a virus without a vaccine is very scary, but now we know a lot more than we did then. Impulsive, rash reactions can only be bad. And I guess that's the theme here, acting impulsively. Miriam's speech to our own was kind of characterized like this, and the Barag reacted to seeing the land for the first time kind of immediately. I've mentioned that's something that I personally am working on, not jumping to conclusions or speaking in a more measured, careful way. But if there's no struggle, there's no growth. So I'll continue to write these, and I'll continue my journey, as I hope you, dear listener, will as well. Shabbat shalom. Thank you so much for listening.